Welcome back to the Asian Conservative Perspective. I'm your host, Jamil Gabriel. So, you know, tomorrow's the big election, and I just turned in my ballot, and I suggest everyone else do the same, as long as it's Republican. I mean, if you're voting Democrat, man, there's something seriously wrong with you. But I'm watching the Democrats, you know, scream and cry, and... Sorry. Um, they're screaming and crying, and they're claiming that if you vote Republican, you're akin to Nazi Germany. Okay, Barack Obama came out in Arizona and said, if you vote uh, vote Republican, the democracy as we know it will fail. Okay, so let me get this right. I just want to understand the mind of a leftist. And, you know, no one's contacted me on whether they can argue with me on this or not. But I want to know the mind of a leftist. So... If you don't do what the government tells you, that is democracy or that is fascism or, you know, akin to Nazism. But if you only do what the government tell you, tells you, that's democracy. I mean, are you listening as you're speaking how incredibly stupid that sounds? Honestly, that sounds that sounds so incredibly dumb. That this is even an issue. And, you know, Democrats are just going to win January 6th, insurrection. Okay, like I said, if we really wanted an insurrection, we would have taken over. Completely. It would have been easy. All right? There are more guns in the United States than there are people. Okay? And you you are losing the military by over 25%. 25% do not want to enlist. Okay? Because they have no faith. Now, I've watched numerous videos that say... Oh, well, people don't want to join the military because it's um, because, you know, YouTube influencers and they can make more money on the outside and stuff. They could always have made more money on the outside there. That, that's that's not an issue. What I personally believe is that there's no trust in leadership. That's the big reason. I think that after the Afghanistan withdrawal and you saw. 13 service members just get killed. Thousands of Americans were just left there. You know, mercenaries and all that other stuff. Translators were just left to the hands of the Taliban. If you were a parent and your kid said, I want to join the military, you know, whatever branch, and you saw that, do you want them to join? I would convince my son or daughter to completely completely neglect it. Say, no, heck no. I'm looking at this on the outside. Now, I've joined the military. I've served my time in the military. And knowing what I know now, I would have told, you know, my kid to either go officer or, you know, use the military for what they're going to do to you. Now, that's fine. But for a parent that doesn't know anything about the military and you see this death and you see all this stuff, I mean, would you want to join? Would you want to tell your kid to go join? No, you'd be like, no, absolutely not. And then they go into colleges instead of trade schools. And I've been talking to my students today about um, going into trade schools because trade schools are great. There's no doubt about it, right? Being a mechanic, being a plumber, being an electrician, being a firefighter, police officer, all that stuff is great. Okay, we don't have to always send kids to colleges. Okay, if you like doing, you know, getting your hands dirty, then be a plumber. All right, they make they make sick money. But going back, the real reason I believe that no one's joining the military is just the failure of leadership, okay? You go in and your general isn't like General Pershing or, you know, General Rommel, 
okay, or Alexander of Macedon, or, you know, Genghis Khan, all right? You have no faith. And you see this, and it's like, well, I was, I was born with two, I was born with two moms. Like, seriously? Would you want to take orders from that? Would you be like, I will follow you into the dirt? I will follow you back to hell and back to make sure you're okay, okay? I mean, Rommel was in the tank with them, all right? He was called the Desert Fox for a reason. He was, he was fighting alongside with them. General Pershing, as much of, you know, a jerk he was, I mean, he was, he was you know, he was fighting all the way until the very end in World War One. I. I mean, it's just, it's stuff like that. I mean, Dwight Eisenhower, all right? I mean, there's just no comparison, and yet you have a person that's like, oh, I'm, I'm special because I transitioned into a woman, or I'm special because I transitioned into men. How does that make you a good leader, okay? I need to see you go into battle. That's what I need. I need you to go into battle with me, all right? Like, and then they fire people that, you know, do things for their own, uh, for their troops, like I forgot his, uh, I forgot the admiral's name or the captain rather, because he was there. Every, despite what rank you are, if you're the captain of a ship, you're addressed as captain. Okay, you could be an admiral, you're just a captain. If you are a captain of a ship, you're a captain. Um, so he he got like a outbreak of the Ronies, and so he begged for help. And when they didn't beg for help, he asked, he flew people out into hospitals, okay? Because he asked for help. They said, no, we're, we can't because you have the Ronies, you know, keep them there out to sea. So he flew people under his direct orders. He flew people into, you know, mainland hospitals. And, of course, no one liked that. Big generals and, you know, the Joint Chiefs said, no, that's not, you know, proper protocol and stuff like that. He was fired, Okay. And there's a sweet, heartening video of him walking down the ship and all his troops are, you know, clapping and cheering him on as he, you know, gets relieved of command. And, you know, that takes guts. That's the kind of leadership that military should have, okay? Not, oh, I was born with two months. Get the out of here with that stuff, okay? So anyway... I honestly believe that it's the leadership. That's why people aren't joining, okay? I believe that if you look at it as someone that's never been in it, even if you're like gung-ho about the military and stuff like that, if you look at it and you say, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not going to join because, you know, I, I don't want to trust my life or trust my son or daughter's life to this dummy, okay? And I, can you really blame them on that? No, you can't. So that's what I believe. But going all the way to the point of this message, and that was that if we wanted to have an insurrection, we could have easily taken over. Now, I know Joe Biden says, oh, well, you're going to need nuclear weapons. Well, use nuclear weapons against us. I mean, go for it. I mean, you're, you're just going to lose land. That's it. We're dead. So you can do whatever you want to our dead bodies. We're, we're completely dead. What are you going to do? Okay. We're dead. And you can do whatever you want. But now you can't use that. So it's like someone breaking into your house and you using a grenade. I mean, it's incredibly stupid. You're going to damage your entire house, set things on fire. Why would you do that? So 
You know, the election coming up tomorrow, I wanted to talk about why I became a conservative. I mean, there's no question, and I've often said I'm a classical liberal, but um, in layman's terms, it's pretty much conservative. Um, so I want to talk to you about that. And I want to listen to what other people say. Why, why did you become conservative? Because the majority of my listeners are conservative. So a while ago, back in 2008, I was around 18 or I was turning 18. And I, you know, I, there was no good candidates that were coming up. I remember it was like Rudy Giuliani, um, Newt Gingrich, I think. I mean... I didn't know Giuliani's record, but, you know, I was just like, this is totally lame. And there was one man, and I know you guys know the story, and you're like, I know who it is, all right? His son is a senator in Kentucky. Oh, yeah, I know, because he transformed me into conservatism. But his name was Ron Paul. And Ron Paul just spoke out, and unfortunately, the media screwed him over. Because he would have made a fantastic president. And he spoke about things that I believed, like we shouldn't go to war and stuff like that. Now, this is before I knew about political parties, before I knew about Democrats, Republicans, and all that stuff. I mean, this dude comes up and he starts talking about how, you know, we should get out of those wars. We should, you know, do all this other stuff. And it really spoke to me. Unfortunately, he couldn't get a single vote because the media blocked him and... You know, just like how Facebook does it today, spends $400 million, I think, $400 million to, like, elect Democrats. Well, the media did not like Ron Ron Paul at all. So he got knocked out of the race pretty quickly. But, that you know, that, that kind of, like, set the spark, that set things in motion to, you know, maybe I should listen to this guy. And here comes this smooth-talking snake, this dude, and you know who I'm talking about. Barack Hussein Obama, okay? I've, I didn't really care about his race. I, I really didn't. I didn't even think twice about his, you know, ethnic origin. He was black, white. I didn't really care. But how he was able to orate himself, he was able to, like, you know, get under my skin to know, like, to make him believe in himself. Like, you know, he's like, oh, you know, this is a hope and change and all this other stuff and I was like yeah I really like that guy I really absolutely like this guy and so you know I was hoping he would win and then it was you know the general election came up and it was uh McCain versus Obama and McCain you know had a lot of problems but the thing that stuck against me with McCain was that he said we should continue this war in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I was like, this war is pathetic. I don't like, you know, seeing a lot of, you know, people die and all this other stuff. And so I voted for Obama because he said, like, we should get our troops out immediately. And I voted for Obama. And mind you, Bush was in office at the time and Bush was just a complete disaster. I mean, gas prices at the time were like 237. I know. <laughs> 237. I mean, it was it was insane. Like gas prices were just like 237. And I think in 2008, like right before Obama was elected, like gas hit like $4. And I was like, oh, my God, we got to, you know, elect Obama because Obama's going to lower down the gas prices. So Obama gets in office and gas prices did lower by like 10 cents. I, I remember in Chicago, 
I was in the military at the time, and I was stationed in Chicago. And, you know, the city of Chicago was $5 a gallon, but, like, the up upper skirts near base was, like, $350, $330, I believe. I think it was about $350 because I remember taking leave to Colorado, and it was, like, $3.30. And so I thought that was just kind of the norm was, you know, I was going to be in, you know, gas $3.30. At least it's not $5. And... You know, Obama was, you know, very charismatic, and I love that about him. And he's, uh, you know, like, oh, we're going to treat the military great and all this other stuff and blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, I didn't really feel much of it while I was in the military. I didn't, like, really care. I was just like, do your work, do all this stuff, and, yeah, that's fine. And so... Obama gets reelected. I mean, I really wanted Ron Paul, but Obama gets reelected. Um, I voted, or actually, I, I'm going to tell you guys a secret. I didn't vote in 2012, okay? And that's because I was on deployment and getting an absentee ballot was, you know, difficult. But I didn't vote in 2012. Obama becomes president for a second term. And I get out, and all of a sudden, I'm on my own. I'm in the, I'm out of the military and I think I got out around 2015, I believe. And, you know, I was feeling like the price of taxes and like everything going up. And I was like, wow, man, this is just insane. This is crazy. And so, you know, the election's coming up in 2016 and I really wanted Rand Paul. I wanted Rand Paul more than anything. Okay. And so, uh, Rand Paul comes in and they tr treat him just like they treated his father. And so I see Donald J. Trump, all right? And I knew Donald Trump from The Apprentice, and, you know, I didn't follow The Apprentice that well, but I knew he his slogan was, you're fired. And when he spoke on the debate, he was just no holds bar, you know, just a total train wreck of, like, a jerk. And I love that, right? I was like, finally, a man's man right there, okay? I mean, this dude's just like Teddy Roosevelt incarnate. And, you know, he's just, you know, a badass. And I would listen to his speeches, and he was just like, you know, he was making fun of Rosie O'Donnell. He was making fun of Hillary Clinton. He was making fun of Rand Paul. I mean, he was just killing it. And so I was I was on board the Trump train right then and there. I was like, yeah, this is what we need. We need a warrior, okay? We need someone that's manly. And as you guys know, I'm pretty, you know, I, I believe that ma men should be masculine, all right? Not saying women can't be. I'm just saying men should be masculine, all right? They shouldn't cry when you offer to, a, you know, when you offer them a price on an object and say, I'm offended, which, by the way, actually did happen. I was purchasing something, or I was trying to purchase something, and I said, what if I give you this much money? And this dude literally came out in tears and was like, I'm offended that you were offering me that much. It's worth at least this much. And I was like, dude, I'm, I'm not going to do business with you, all right? You're, you're crying. I mean, this is, this is pathetic. You're a man. You're 30 years old. Act like a man. So anyway, Donald Trump... On the campaign trail, um, does his whole thing, does his whole spiel, and they chose the worst candidate, Hillary Clinton. And Hillary Clinton, if 
I honestly was going to elect Hillary Clinton if Donald if it was Jeb Bush versus Hillary Clinton, I would have chosen Hillary Clinton. I'm not even kidding, okay? Jeb was just he was so boring and he was just a loser, right? His brother effed up this country pretty bad. And so you know, when Jeb's like, I'm going to run. And it was supposed to be Jeb. Let's be completely honest. And Do- they did not expect Donald Trump to, you know, actually take the, actually win the primaries. So Hillary Clinton comes out and she is just awful. She's like, uh, she thinks that like she's just already won essentially. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to vote for this. I'm not going to vote for Hillary Clinton. So I voted for Donald Trump. And I didn't know what I was getting this along with everyone else. I mean, this dude was a reality TV star, so no one really knew what he, I was, they were going to get. And so the more I listened to him and I started to fact check things and I was just like, wow, that makes total sense. Yeah. And then there was one man that showed up at my school. Okay. He's a five foot nine Jewish guy. All right. About the same height as me. Um, actually Jew- Jewish. And he is the owner of the Daily Wire along with his partner, okay? He had numerous talk shows. I mean, he's hired numerous people, and he came to my school to talk about conservatism. And everyone knows his name, right? His name is Ben Shapiro. So Ben Shapiro showed up at my school, and I got to listen to him, and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm totally, you know, conservative. But there was some things I didn't like. You know, there were some things that conservatism doesn't make much sense on. And I was like, you know what? I don't really consider myself like truly conservative. And then Dave Rubin comes out and says, I am supporting the Republicans and I am not a I am no longer a liberal. And if you didn't know Dave Rubin, he worked for like the, you know, he worked for. The Young Turks, which I kind of based this podcast on. It was it was originally making fun of Chank Iger. And so Dave Rubin worked for him. And so he comes out and he writes a book and he says, you know, he's like, oh, I'm like a classical liberal because that's what Thomas Jefferson or was it John Locke? Is John Locke the Spartan? Yeah, he's a Spartan. Okay. No, Thomas Paine, I believe. Thomas Paine wrote in a book that about classical liberalism. And Dave Rubin wrote a book about like how he's a classical liberal. And I took that and was like, yeah, I'm a classical liberal. And that's why I continue to this day as I'm a classical liberal. So it was kind of a mixture of all these things. But when Donald Trump was president, you know, I didn't believe gas prices would fall below $3. I really didn't. I was like... I was like, it hit $2, like $2.99, and I was just like, yeah, right, it's going to go up by next summer. I was like, it's going to go up, it's going to keep going up, and then it just kept going lower and lower and lower, and I was like, no, no fooling? This dude is talking the talk, okay? And then, you know, I've had um, friends die from drug overdoses and stuff like that. And they they died from, like, fentanyl. And I'm like, where's fentanyl coming from? And then the immigration thing. And when they were just like, oh, we're going to let everyone in, it, it frankly really irritated me because I had to work for it. And it really irritated, like, 
because in the military, you'll see people from Cameroon, you'll see people from the Philippines, you'll see people from everywhere around the world, and they are going and joining the military to get citizenship. And some of them are college graduates. I knew a dude that was a literal doctor. He was a doctor. So he joined the military to get his citizenship. And then he was an orthopedic surgeon. So he's a foot doctor. And so he joins the military, gets his citizenship because he wasn't allowed to transfer his you know credentials from his uh, college to the United States college to, you know, practice medicine in America. So he had to be an American citizen. So he joins as an enlisted, becomes an American citizen, and then transfers it over. So he's officially a doctor as far as America is concerned. He could practice medicine in the United States. And then all of a sudden, the military was like, no, we need you as an enlisted guy. So he's like, are you kidding me right now? So what he does is right after um, right after work, he'd work at the hospital doing surgeries and stuff like that. And he was just making a killing. But when he was in the military as enlisted, he was just taking vitals. And finally, like the doctors were like, dude, you're smarter than me. I mean, you know about orthopedic, you know, about feet and all this other stuff. So you can handle this stuff. And um, that's what he pretty much did. But he got out and he's working. Last I talked to him, this was, you know, five years ago, he's working in a hospital down in Florida. And so, yeah, but it really irritates me that they're just like, oh, let's just get all these immigrants in. Let's just keep going. When like people like him had to like work their butt off. All right. They had to, you know, deal with discrimination that he wasn't, you know, he wasn't eligible to be a doctor in the United States. You know, people like that, like the very salt of this earth. I mean, we need doctors. We lose a, a med school every year due to doctors committing suicide or retiring. I mean, it's crazy like that. And they're like, oh, yeah, we don't we don't want him to be, you know, an officer and be, you know, practicing medicine as an officer and a physician. We, we just want him enlisted, taking vitals. So... You know, that's my soapbox. Anyway, thanks for listening. I would like to know your guys' story on why you became conservative. Thanks for listening. I'm Jamil Gabriel, and I'm signing off.